0: What's up everyone and welcome back to the Harry Potter season here on Cinematic Reviews. I'm your host Chris and this is the show about all things movies and TV. Every week I give my thoughts and reactions to the newest releases, beloved franchises and even upcoming projects like the MCU and Star Wars universe. You can of course support the show by giving it a rating slash review on your favorite podcast service as well as following the show on all social media platforms just search for cinematic reviews it helps out the show a lot and thank you for all the support uh the last year and this new year i've had a blast doing this show and i will continue to have a blast for you it's the beginning of the end we have finally come to harry's seventh and final year at hogwarts with harry potter and the deathly hallows part one Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, Ray Fiennes, and Alan Rickman all return. It's bittersweet to be at this point of the season, but I'm excited to talk about part one of the two-part finale of Harry's time at Hogwarts. Let's kick today's episode off with some facts about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Part One. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One was released on November 19th, 2010, and was once again directed by David Yates. He, of course, is best known for the Harry Potter films and Fantastic Beasts films, as well as The Legend of Tarzan. The film grossed $960 million uh, worldwide against an estimated $125 million budget. It became the second highest grossing Harry Potter film at the time. Right now, it currently sits at number three. Uh, since Part 2 was able to crack $1 billion when it was released. Daniel Radcliffe did over 90 takes for the Seven Harrys scene. The original script for Deathly Hallows clocked in at five and a half hours, which justified the decision to split the film into two parts. I'm really glad that they did, and I will, of course, talk about that throughout the episode. Radcliffe's stunt double, David Holmes, sustained a serious back injury while filming an aerial sequence involving an explosion. Over 500 wands were created for the film. They were all checked out and checked back in before, during, and after the day's filming. This is the only film in the franchise to not feature Professor McGonagall, Filch, and Dean Thomas. The Main Street set in Godric's Hollow is the same set used for Hogsmeade in The Prisoner of Azkaban. Warwick Davis helped uh, find uh, stand-ins for Dobby and Creature uh, through his third job, He runs a company called Willow Personnel Management, which helps little people find work in the film industry. The scenes with Dobby and Creature were actually filmed twice. First, they were played physically on set by their respective voice actors so that the cast and animators had a guideline to work with. And then the same scene was shot without voice actors so that the visual effects team could put in their CGI character in post-production. M. Night Shyamalan and Guillermo del Toro Both both expressed interest in directing this film. And then lastly, this was the first film to have J.K. Rowling signed on as a producer. Now let's get to my thoughts on Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. So this was the Harry Potter film that was always towards the bottom of my ranking list because I always remember it not being as action-packed or entertaining as most of the, the franchise was. But I was completely wrong. I freaking love this movie. It's action-packed, it's emotional, it's dark and intense. I mean, Dobby dies at the end and it completely destroyed me. I'll talk about it more in the negative segment, but it's really disappointing that Dobby was only in two of the eight films, this and Chamber of Secrets. I can't talk up Toby Jones enough. He is incredible as the voice of Dobby. I can't imagine anyone else bringing this fan favorite character to life. It's just a shame that he had such limited screen time in this franchise. He he should have been in Goblet of Fire, Order of the Phoenix, and the Half-Blood Prince also. Huge missed opportunity. Now, the Deathly Hallows Part 1 is, like I said, the beginning of the end. The film takes place during Harry's seventh and final year at Hogwarts, except he, Hermione, and Ron don't return to Hogwarts. Instead, they embark on a mission to stop Lord Voldemort, by hunting down Horcruxes. If you remember from the Half-Blood Prince episode, Horcruxes are pieces of Voldemort's soul. He was able to split his soul into seven pieces and they're scattered uh, around. This film though only focuses on one of those Horcruxes, the necklace that Dumbledore and Harry found towards the end of Half-Blood Prince. Our trio of heroes spend the majority of the film uh, trying to figure out how to destroy Horcruxes, the, the necklace in particular, that was an interesting choice. Do I agree with it? Not entirely. Do I understand why the writers and studio made that decision? Yes. I think they did it in order to focus more on the characters and their relationship with each other, like Harry and Hermione, for instance. After Ron leaves, we're left with just Harry and Hermione for like thirty to forty minutes of the film. There was also a lot of stuff that needed to be set up for part two, so that it was, so it was probably easier to focus on one of the Horcruxes than. And then have the scavenger hunt that we get uh, in the final film. That's why part two seems to be more action-packed than part one. They, they focus more on the plot and the relationships in this film. So that when we get to that finale, it all pays off. But I'll save all that for next week's episode. Sticking with part one though today, I absolutely love this film. Like I said, spoilers for the ranking segment later on. This will be moving up on the list. But like I said, I will save exactly where it's going to land uh, in the ranking segment i love everything about the film the action was awesome i love all the wand uh battles in here the cast was incredible especially dobby the film looks spectacular from a technical standpoint the cinematography was fantastic and beautiful i love just looking at this film and then the death of dobby is truly one of the most heartbreaking deaths ever I might be in the minority on this, but it hit me harder than Dumbledore's death in Half-Blood Prince. Now, I'm not saying I wasn't heartbroken by Dumbledore's death in the last film. It's just that Dobby's death was incredibly harder to watch because it's Dobby. He's so innocent and small and so lovable. Serious death uh, in Order of the Phoenix was also very, very tough to watch. Uh, but Dobby's takes the top spot uh, as most heartbreaking if I am going to rank the deaths of this franchise. One last thing I wanted to touch on before we dive into the the segments is the whole Ron leaving Harry and Hermione thing. I'm totally fine with how this plays out. Uh, It makes sense to me. Stakes are high, which leads to frustration, which creates a stressful environment, which eventually leads to jealousy because two of the three characters have these secret feelings for each other, uh, but neither of them want to admit it at the time. If you listen to the Goblet of Fire episode, you know that I was not a huge fan of the fight between Ron and Harry in the middle of that film. It didn't make much sense to me, and it was poorly executed uh, by the writers. In Deathly Hallows, it works, I think. It makes sense because there are huge stakes in play with the Horcruxes and Voldemort taking over the Ministry in Hogwarts. Plus, the necklace was affecting him also. Exactly like, say, the One Ring in the Lord of the Rings universe, it affects your emotions the longer you wear it makes total sense to me that he would um lash out like that um especially towards harry you know dumbledore didn't really explain a whole lot to harry before he died so harry has been forced to kind of piece everything together himself i understand ron's frustration though you know the magical world hangs in the balance he's got a family and they don't know how to stop it Uh, i can't imagine how stressful that situation would be. This part of the film does drag on a bit though. That's the main reason why it has been uh, so low in my rankings. But during this rewatch, I found myself appreciating what Yates and the writers were going for. They wanted the audience to be even more connected to the characters. For for when the events of part two happened, it, it, it blew my mind. I, I I'm excited to watch part two now, knowing that this is what Yates and the writers intended. They wanted us to kind of build up to this grand finale for when part two does happen. We are just blown away because we've spent so much time with these characters and it's going to be just a roller coaster of emotion. And I'm super, super excited to rewatch part two for next week's episode. But so, uh, with that, let's take a quick break before diving into the segments. Cinemac Reviews is heading to Westeros for the Game of Thrones season. Uh, it premieres in two weeks, uh, so grab your swords and join me in breaking the wheel with the Game of Thrones season here on Cinemac Reviews. So first we have standout scenes. Uh, the first one I have on the list is the opening shot of uh, Bill Nye speaking to the, uh, to the ministry. I absolutely love this scene. This blew me away watching rewatching this when it showed like Bill Nye is such a powerful force in this scene with the tone and just the dark uh lighting uh in there. It, it's such a beautiful and intense way to to start this film. Absolutely love it. I knew as soon as this scene came on, I was like, "Okay, this is definitely going to be going up in my rankings." I absolutely loved uh Bill Nye in this scene. The next scene I have is the Seven Harrys. Uh, this was a really, really uh, awesome scene, uh, and and it's interesting to see how they actually were able to do that. That that's Radcliffe playing all seven of those. You know, they uh, they they filmed it uh, 90, 90 times, as I said in the in the fact segment. Uh, truly, truly awesome how they were able to pull this off. Uh, just spectacular uh, effects there then we have the Death Eaters uh, attacking Bill's Wedding. Uh, This is a really fun way to kind of break the tension, but then we get that um, really, really intense uh, ending to it where the Death Eaters attack. Um, I love the little um, Darks uh, ball that's coming in, uh, threatening them to hand over Harry. Otherwise, they will destroy it. Uh, Really, really intense moment and just absolutely love uh, how this all played out and then we get dobby coming back uh, this is probably my favorite scene uh, just seeing him on hanging around mcdonough's leg like that and creature on top of his head and then walking in and hobby is just having dobby's just having fun uh taking down mcdonough's and then when he sees harry he's just absolutely excited and and we all are in the same uh boat as Harry and the rest of them like Dobby is back. We haven't seen him since Chamber of Secrets and it and it's just breathtaking to to, to see him on screen again. Then we get this whole infiltrating the ministry scene. Um this is a really I think it it might have went on a little too long, but I love every minute of it. You know, we get um we get the return of the probably the most hated character in cinema history dolores umbridge um we get um we get uh harry hermione and ron uh using apology juice polyjuice potion to um disguise themselves as ministry personnel and they kind of get spread out on their own missions uh hermione ends up getting stuck going with umbridge uh ron has to go deal with the the person he's impersonating with wife and everything that he's dealing with and then so that leaves harry to try to find a necklace which he finds in dumbledore's office uh truly truly awesome scene i love it when we get when when they all eventually meet in the courtroom and harry reveals himself to dumbledore by saying you mustn't tell lies and then knocks her out, which I'm sure we all applauded at that point. That was an awesome moment to see Harry finally knock the crap out of Dumbledore. I mean, uh, Dolores, excuse me. And then we get the, we get the, the Dementors returning. Uh, That was an intense scene to watch with the hands grabbing through the elevator. And yeah, just a truly awesome uh, sequence of events to watch. Uh, This leads into uh, my next scene that i have written down and that is ron getting splinched when they uh, uh evaporated out of the ministry uh of course this is a side effect that um could happen if multiple people operate at the same time you know we get the really intense shot of arms uh ron's arm basically almost torn off or torn to bits you know it's really terrifying uh scene to watch but true truly awesome uh, makeup and, and effects that they were able to do to pull that off. And then the next scene I have on the list is Godric's Hollow. Uh, this is uh, Harry's uh, returning back home uh, ever since he was a baby. Uh, this is a really cool moment for fans and for Harry, I guess, at the same time, uh, because we get to see the where it all happened, where where Voldemort killed his parents. Uh, he gets to see their grave. And then we eventually come across, um, I can't remember her name, but she is uh, some kind of neighbor or something. Uh, She supposedly has information about Voldemort and his parents, but it turns out that she is, in fact, Nagini, who is Voldemort's snake. And then we get this big, uh, short, quick little action sequence of Hermione and Harry fighting off Nagini in the house. Uh, Really, really intense uh, scene, uh, but awesome how they executed it. Then we get Harry finding the sort of... Godric Gryffindor, uh, in the frozen lake, uh, him getting choked out by the necklace is really, really intense. Uh, it's, it's a beautifully shot sequence and truly, truly terrifying. Cause, uh, well, I mean, we got to imagine that we know Harry is going to live, but in that moment, you're like, holy crap. You know, he is getting choked out by this necklace underneath this ice cold water. Uh, just a crazy, crazy, uh, sequence. And then of course, Ron finally returns, helps him out of the lake and they uh have the sword of gryffindor in their hands so this uh, then leads to the next scene that i have written down uh, this is where ron destroys a necklace with the sword we get that really big uh vision from the horcrux when harry opens it and it's targeted directly at ron we get the uh we get an animated harry and an animated hermione who kind of try to persuade him try to v- built into his jealousy and to make him not destroy it but fortunately ron is able to overcome that vision and destroy the necklace really interesting choice to make it a naked harry and hermione uh and you know they're making out and whatnot it was a really interesting choice uh to put in there um the visual visually it was stunning uh But it was, I just really, I always find that such an interesting choice that that's the path that they took with that vision. You know, a naked Harry and Hermione. Basically, we only see them making out, but I got to imagine their intent was like, they are hooking up. You know, they are having a sexual relationship with each other. Um, So it's just, yeah, so just an interesting choice there, I always thought. And then we get the Deathly Hallows, uh, which uh, this is where Harry, Ron, and Hermione meet. Luna's dad, Mr. Lovegood, at home. Uh, he explains to them what the Deathly Hallows is. It's the uh, three—the bro- story of the three brothers uh, and their encounter with death. Um, the one, the eldest brother, gets the Elder Wand, the most powerful one in the world. The second brother gets the um, Resurrection Stone in order to resurrect uh, the woman that he loved, and then the third brother uh, chooses to. Take a piece of death's power uh, with the cloak of invisibility. uh, Together, as Mr. Lovegood says, make the master of death uh, the most powerful being on earth. Uh, And I got to imagine this is probably one of Voldemort's uh, goals uh, in, in life is to become the master of death with all three. Starting with the Elder Wand, which we see at the end of the film. The animation was a interesting choice as well. I, I like it. I don't... It would have been cool to see this live action. I, underst- I understand that maybe they wanted to make it more fantastical, make it more magical by using animation instead of actors. Um, I like... I think the animation choice itself, the way they designed it, was interesting. I don't think we've ever seen something like that before. Uh, so... I'm totally fine with it. I know there are quite a few people that find it odd and distracting that this section of the film is animated where the rest of it is live action. Um, As cool as it would have been live action to see actual actors play these characters, I think the animation was probably the right choice. Um, You know, like I said, because they wanted to make it more fantastical, magical. I mean, it is a children's story, so it makes sense to have it animated, but. Really, really awesome scene to get that backstory of why this this book is called *The Deathly Hallows*. Then we get Hermione getting tortured. This is uh, at the Malfoy's uh, place uh, where they get captured by the the Snatchers, uh, which was a really cool uh, action little action sequence there in in the woods where they were fighting off the Snatchers, but they eventually get uh, kidnapped and then Harry. Hermione does the spell to change uh, Harry's face, which, I mean, you could easily tell that's Harry. If anyone has ever spent real real time with Harry, you could kind of tell that that's pretty much Harry. But kudos to her for trying to think outside the box. But that didn't quite make the list there. That's probably one of the honorable mentions. But the the scene that stands out most to me is uh, Hermione getting tortured by Bellatrix Lestrange. Truly, truly terrifying st- Scene to watch. We we don't get to see all of it. Uh, we just a lot of most of the scene. We we hear her screaming while we're down in the in the dungeon with, uh, Harry, Ron, um, uh, Wark Davis's uh, grip hook, and then Ollivander, and then Ludo Lovegood as well. But it was it is still a truly terrifying. You know, because Hermione is a fan favorite, so seeing her getting tortured like that by the woman. That killed Sirius. Um, Terrifying. Just truly terrifying. Like she wasn't even using a wand. She was using a straight up knife. To carve it into her arm. And which was mud blood. And you would think. Like. She would use the spell. But no. She went right for the knife. Which is even more terrifying. To watch. And then this leads. To the most heartbreaking scene. Ever put on camera the death of dobby uh who comes in just just like a badass he pops in and, and I'll talk about this in favorite quotes but I'll probably just put it right up here now he goes uh where is it dobby has no master dobby is a free elf and dobby has come to save harry potter and his friends and he Evaporates them all, but at the last second, we get Bellatrix throwing the knife that she was carving mud blood into uh, Hermione's arm with. And at first, we th- were hoping that she missed. But by the look on her, by and Hellebun Carter does such a terrific job here, where she kind of gives that little smirk. and so, And so the audience is just in the back of their head going, oh no, she got him. And then we jump to the scene uh, at the beach where uh, everything seems to be okay. But we, but then we hear Dobby uh, at the uh, just a very quiet whisper saying Harry Potter. And the camera turns to him holding his gut with the knife stuck in there. And it's truly, truly heartbreaking to see that he is going to die in a matter of seconds. And we get that beautiful shot of Harry holding him on the beach. Uh, And it's just it's just it destroys your soul to see Dobby die like this, protecting someone he truly loves, someone that he saw as a friend and that we've grown to fall in love with uh, more so with the books, considering he's only been in two films. But he's such a fantastic character. And to see him die just breaks breaks my heart and all the hearts of the fans. It's got to be one of the most heartbreaking deaths ever put on film truly truly heartbreaking and then the last scene that i have is voldemort getting the elder wand uh this is kind of this was kind of to be expected uh they when this film came out they did announce that it was gonna be a two-parter so we're so the whole time i remember being in the theater watching this and like okay this is obviously gonna hang on a cliffhanger of some sort it would have made more sense to just end it with Dobby's death, I think that would have been truly, truly powerful. But to, it, I understand why they did it. They, they cut to Voldemort at Dumbledore's grave. Um, and he takes the Elder Wand from his hand and shoots the bolt of lightning up in the air to kind of show us and the world that he has the Elder Wand. He is the most powerful being. He is going to win. Uh, I understand why they did that. Uh, I think it's a beautiful scene. Uh, it's shot beautifully. Uh, great acting by Ray Fiennes as Voldemort once again. I think ending with Dobby's death and then cutting the black would have been so powerful if they would have did it that way. And then maybe open up part two with Voldemort getting the Elder Wand. But... Again, I understand why they did it. They wanted to create hype for part two. They wanted to leave it on the cliffhanger. They wanted to show that Voldemort is going to be a, a force to reckon with. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and then I want to jump back to the Harry, the seven Harry scene. Totally forgot about this. Um, the Death Eaters attacking Harry, uh, or all the Harrys as they're flying. Truly awesome action sequence. That's probably my favorite action sequence uh of the film uh we get we get harry and Hagrid together the real harry and then we have everyone else kind of being pairs of two uh when harry and Hagrid get up to the clouds and we see just the biggest battle ever in the sky you, you get you get spells flying back and forth you got death eaters flying around you got the order flying around such a cool not just visually but like action-packed scene is probably one of my favorite action sequence of the franchise as well but it ends in tragedy though you know we get we get Voldemort and Harry going at it but right before that happens Hedwig Hedwig dies which is another truly heartbreaking uh, death in this franchise uh, just breaks my heart every time I see Hedwig go down for, and it And Heywig was such a badass, too, just like Dobby, because he comes in and he tries to protect Harry, but ultimately pays the price for saving his friend. It's a truly awesome scene. Uh, With that, let's jump over to favorite quotes. So I've got a few quotes here written down that really stick out to me every time I watch this. The first one is um, from... Bill Nye's character, the new minister of magic, uh, Rufus, and I can never remember his name, but it's he's the new minister. Uh, These are dark times. There is no denying. Our world has perhaps faced no greater threat than it does today. But I say this to our citizenry. We, ever your servants, will continue to defend your liberty and repel the forces that seek to take it from you. Your ministry remains strong. Uh, I love this little monologue from bill nye because he delivers it so well you know with the with the dark lighting and the cameras flashing he's just standing there in this powerful position and he's giving this monologue like he truly truly believes in the words that he's saying and it's such a great great performance by bill nye truly truly spectacular um then i have a couple quotes here from dobby Dobby never meant to kill. Dobby only meant to maim or seriously injure. This is when he's talking to Bellatrix. Uh, And then we get, um, after he steals Malfoy's, uh, mother, Draco's mom's wand, uh, and Bellatrix kind of rants at him. Like, how dare you take a witch's wand? Uh, how you betray you, the family you serve. And then Dobby goes, Dobby has no master. Dobby is a free elf. Dobby has come to save Harry Potter and his friends. Truly, truly, uh, awesome to hear him say that uh and then of course we get his death shortly after that but he is such a badass in in this film and i absolutely love him for it i wish we would have gotten more of him throughout the franchise um and then i have a quote that always chuckles me uh from george uh saint like i'm holy uh this is where where uh, fred is asking him, how he feels after getting the hole in his ear after the battle uh, with the Death Eaters at the beginning of the film, uh, always chuckles me up to uh, to see George kind of be still be the charismatic and funny guy even in the face of death. Uh, and then this one is from Matt eye Moody. Uh, Fair warning, it tastes like Goblin piss. This is where he's talking about the Polyjuice Potion when he's passing out the 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 bottle to everyone to turn into Harry. I, I've always wondered how bad is polyjuice Juice actually? Like we, we, We've only heard terrible things about how bad it tastes. And I really, really am curious on just how bad is it really? I mean, I can't imagine Goblin Piss tastes very good. So that might be an accurate uh, description of how bad it tastes. Um, and then this is Harry. Uh, you're lying, Dolores. And one mustn't tell lies. I love this callback from War of the Phoenix, because as you remember, that is a really big line uh, in the film because Dolores uh, says that a lot and forces the students to repeat it with her special quill. Uh, Really awesome to see Harry say this back at her. Uh, And then this one's from Ron. We have to flush ourselves in. That's disgusting. This is when they're in the bathroom, making their way into the ministry. Uh, there's this secret uh, portal that the the wizards take to get into the ministry so the muggles don't fight them, and that is to flush themselves into the toilet. Uh, I got to imagine that's going to be really fun, but like he says, really disgusting at the same time. I That's got to feel weird going through it that way. Um, and then this is a quick little interaction with Hermione and Harry. Uh, Hermione says... I still think we should have used Polyjuice Potion. Uh, And then Harry goes, no, this is where I was born. I'm not returning as someone else. This, of course, is where they are talking at Godric's Hollow on how Hermione, thinking the smart way, hey, should have disguised yourself. There's probably Death Eaters here. We need to be careful. Harry, knowing that Hermione means well, but sticking to his guns and says, hey, this this is where I was born. I want to be here as myself. I don't want to be here anyone else i want to show respect to my parents as myself which i totally totally respect you know i probably would do the same thing if it were me i want to go home as myself i don't want to hide in another person's form i want to pay my respects as harry potter so i just i think that's such a powerful line coming from harry um and then we get another one from dobby this is where he is about to die on the beach uh, such a beautiful place to be with friends. Dobby is happy to be with his friend. I mean, come on. You, just reading that breaks my heart. That is such a powerful line for Dobby to say right before he dies. It's it's just truly, truly heartbreaking. And then the last quote I have is I want to bury him properly without magic. This is uh, Harry speaking about Dobby. Uh, another powerful, powerful line. Uh, just, just, breaks my heart and and i probably would have did the same thing you know i'm sure we all would have did like dobby deserves more than a magic funeral he deserves respect deserves to be properly taken care of and just i i find that very very powerful um next up favorite spell so the deadly hallows includes some really awesome spells uh the first one is capacious extremis this is uh i probably i'm gonna probably butcher all these i'm not too familiar with these spells but i think that's how you say it capacious extremis uh this is an extension charm that makes the inside of an object larger without changing the outside dimensions um hermione uses this on her bag in order to fit all their supplies while her hair harry and ron are on the run uh really really awesome awesome spell really really uh handy, especially on the run like this, where basically an infinite amount of stuff can be in there. I mean, she puts a whole campsite in there, which is really awesome. And then we get that funny line of she's digging around in there and we hear a bunch of crashing and Harry goes, what was that? And she goes, that must have been the books. Like, she has a library in there. How freaking cool is that? And then the next spell I have on the list, uh, Kaveh Enimicum. Probably butchered that. Uh, This is the a uh, barrier spell that they use to be undetected uh, from the Snatchers while on the run. Uh, this is one of the very, very many spells that Hermione uses throughout this this film. Uh, and then we also get the Silvio Hexia, which we get the most. This is the, uh, the protective shield that she puts around the campsite. And then she eventually teaches Harry. Uh, really, really awesome, awesome spell. We get Confringo. Uh, This is a curse that causes an explosion of fire. Uh, Hermione uses it against Nagini and Godric's Hollow. Really, really cool uh, action spell there. Uh, Erecto was used to basically erect the tents at Bill and Fleur's wedding. Simple, but really, really handy spell. Exposo. exposo, uh, This creates a small pressurized explosion. It was used by Death Eaters against Harry, Ron, and Hermione while they were on the run. Uh, and then we have Mobili, Mobili Corpus. This is a charm that is used to levitate and move bodies. Uh, Voldemort uses it on Professor Burbag at the beginning of the film. This is where uh, they're having a little their little meeting uh, at the uh, Mount Foy's, uh And then Voldemort brings in the Professor of Muggle Studies and has nagini eat her whole which is a ter- terrifying sequence but really really truly powerful spell and then we get obliviate this is a charm that erases certain memories from the target's mind hermione uses this a couple of times first on her parents the beginning film and then on a couple of death eaters when they are on the run we've we've heard of this one before um Professor Lockhart uses it it a lot in the Chamber of Secrets. And then, of course, it backfires on him, and now he's lost his mind. Uh, Another very, very powerful spell. Uh, But my favorite would probably have to be the Apparition. Uh, This, of course, is used to teleport from one place to another. It's used a lot during this film, uh, particularly uh, with... uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Uh, I mean, how cool would it be to just teleport from place to place? You know, no more cars or planes. Just think about where you want to go, and poof, you're there in seconds. I mean, you do risk getting splinched, like what happened to Ron. Uh, but that only happens when multiple people apparate at the same time, really. So if you're if you're careful, you know, do it one by one, or if you know what you're doing and you can take multiple people. Uh, I've always been amazed uh, by this by this spell, and I would. Personally use it all the time, you know, no more cars, no more trains, you know, no more walking, you know, just poof, you're there. Really, really awesome spell. Uh, Next up is favorite creature. There aren't really any new creatures that I could tell in this film, but we do get a lot of familiar ones. Uh, We get the Threstles make a return uh, when they sneak Harry to the burrow from the Death Eaters. Uh, These, of course, are the... uh, winged horses that uh, we saw in Order of the Phoenix. Uh, It was really cool to see those back. Uh, Nagini, Voldemort's snake, is back and vicious as ever. Uh, She tries to kill Hermione and Ron at the Godric Hollow, and then we get her eating uh, Professor Bergbag at the beginning of the film. Uh, Then we get the Dementors attacking Harry, Ron, and Hermione when they infiltrate the Ministry. Really awesome to uh, see them again. And then we get Hedwig, Harry's owl, Fortunately, like I said, dying to protect him against Voldemort in the death years at the beginning of the film. Uh, then we get Griphook, the goblin. He shows up towards the end of the film at the Malfoy's place. He is played by the awesome Warwick Davis, who plays multiple, multiple characters in this franchise, which is really cool. We can never have too much Warwick Davis in our lives. Uh, but my favorite would have to be the house elves, particularly Dobby. Uh, we get both Creature and Dobby in this film, but Dobby is by far my favorite of the House Elves, uh, not just in this film, but just in the franchise as a whole. Um, it's a real shame, like I keep saying, that he was only in two of the eight Harry Potter films, This is a, which is uh, such a missed opportunity. Uh, and I'm going to dive into it uh, here in a sec with the negatives, but uh, just that's really big been my biggest gripe with this franchise is that dobby really gets sidelined in this uh he's only in two of the films and then of course he dies in in the one but yeah it's just really really big missed opportunity by the studio and the writers and all that uh so with that that's such a, a great segue into the negative segment uh with my biggest gripe of the film uh and the franchise as a whole So aside from the changes from the book to the film, of course, the only real negative I have is mainly with the franchise as a whole, and that is the lack of Dobby, like I keep saying. Dobby is in only two of the films, uh, when in reality he is in almost all the books. Uh, For example, in Gobblers of Fire, he's actually the one that gives Harry the Gillyweed for the second task, but that part went to Neville instead. He also appears in Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince as well. I understand that the 3D model used to create him is probably tricky and costs a lot, but he is such a huge part of the books. I just I think it was a huge missed opportunity that he wasn't in more. He he is such a beloved character, and to have him only in two films is really, really disappointing. I'm happy we got him in Deathly Hollows though, because his death, like I could keep saying, is a massive blow to the fans. I remember reading it in the book for the first time and feeling just destroyed. I mean, we got Dumbledore's death in Haplet Prince. Uh, and then now Dobby and deadly hollows uh, other than that i i don't really have any uh, many negatives for this film i mean there are chunks of time when harry ron and hermione are on the run that, that kind of drag out because nothing exciting is really happening but that's not their purpose they're meant to allow the audience to be in the moment with the characters they to see them interact with each other in, in a more calmer setting it, it it lets the characters live in the moment instead of running around getting into wand fights all the time which it's awesome. I love a good one fight, but it it allows us to kind of connect with them on a deeper level. I'm I'm sure they wanted to save most of the action for part two, uh, which makes sense. Uh, they wanted an explosive finale to this beloved series. Uh, I'm glad they decided to split it into two parts. Uh, it makes sense, you know. A five and a half hour script is really really long. So and and in, there's such great stuff in the books and i'm sure they wanted to squeeze as much as they could in the in this finale because this franchise is so beloved and they probably wanted to do it right and i respect them for that so this is the one instance where i am all on board with a two-part finale there is however no maggie smith in this as professor mcgonagall which is a huge bummer but she has a lot to do in part two So, I am already forgiven it, and I'm super, super excited to see her again. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much um, my negatives. It's mainly that Dobby issue, but that's like as a franchise as a whole, it's not necessarily for this film. Uh, I'm just blown away by how much I absolutely love this film. Uh, it's definitely gonna be one of my favorites coming out of this season. Uh, but before we get to the rankings, uh, let's switch over to book versus movie. So this was kind of tough because since this film is put into two parts, uh, I kind of had to pick out stuff that is, uh, in the beginning of the book. Uh, if I do miss any, I will mention them in next week's episode when I do this massive, massive, uh, book versus movie segment, uh, with it. But today's episode, these are the ones that, uh, really pop out to me. Um, In the book, Harry is recognized after he uses Expelliarmus on a Death Eater while the Order is helping him leave Privet Drive. In the film, though, it's actually Hagwig that uh, gives him away by protecting him. Uh, Harry and Hagrid land at the Burrow right after the Order is attacked by the Death Eaters. But uh, in the book, though, they actually stop at Tonks' house before then going to the Burrow. I'm sure that was probably just budget-wise they probably didn't want to add another setting another scene because it's already a pretty long movie as is uh in the book harry uses polyjuice to conceal his appearance during bill and fleur's wedding Uh, he is disguised as a red-headed muggle boy uh from the hairs that fred and george were able to obtain uh in the film though harry isn't disguised at all he walks around freely as himself uh again this is probably Maybe not so much with cost. Uh, I'm sure it would have cost something to get a another actor on the, on the budget list, but they probably just wanted Radcliffe being there, being involved. They probably just didn't want uh, someone else in his place, which totally understandable. Uh, in the book, Lupin actually begs Harry, Ron, and Hermione into letting him join them on their quest to stop Voldemort, uh, but he's barely in the film. This one, I actually disagree. I think Lupin. I think they should have had a little scene like this in there. Uh, maybe they could have just cut down the, on the run portion of the, of the film a little bit and maybe added a five, not even five minutes, maybe like a two or three minute scene of Lupin trying to join team Holcrux. Uh, but instead he's in like three scenes, uh, which is disappointing because Lupin is such an awesome character. Uh, I feel like we barely get to see him, uh, in these in this these two finale uh, films which is really really disappointing because he's been such a huge part of uh, Harry's life so this would have been this was would have been a great opportunity to get the, to get Lupin and, and Harry uh conversing about uh stopping Voldemort uh yeah just a really missed opportunity there in the film their break. Uh, in at the ministry goes really smoothly uh, and looks pretty easy almost as if we all could have did it Uh, in the book though this is actually a very long and stressful planning process it it takes the trio of heroes a really long time to just even muster up the courage to actually execute their plan that they they took a long time to plan out Uh, again that's probably just because of the runtime and budget you know they probably didn't want to spend a whole lot of time on that in the book, there is a tribute and a mural to James and Lily Potter at Godric's Hollow uh, with messages of support from many, many members of the magical community. Uh, it's a very emotional part of the book. Uh, Harry even sheds a couple tears when he sees it. The film does a decent job at making Harry's trip to Godric Hollow an emotional moment, uh, but I think this was a another huge missed opportunity, uh, including a scene like this in the film would have allowed the audience to react more emotionally uh, to the film overall uh just that yeah another great huge missed opportunity for for some more audience connection there uh harry and hermione dancing in the tent while ron is away is a is only in the film uh it's not in the book it it makes sense why the writers put it in there though it does help strengthen the jealousy of ron and it makes his whole crux vision more powerful and then we get uh harry and hermione uh strengthening their relationship becoming closer and closer as friends it is disappointing to to know that they don't end up together which i've been a huge advocate for i like i'm all team harry and hermione they should have been together and this scene right here uh proves it that they should have been together in the end but she ends up with ron uh nothing we can do about it it is written in stone can't erase it then the last one I have is, uh, in the book, Harry, Ron, and Hermione get captured by the snatchers very, very quickly. Uh, the film of course drags it out in order to have an action packed wand fight in the woods between the trio and the snatchers before they're taking completely understandable. Um, we needed some kind of action sequence here after the long break of them on the run. And it kind of, being a less exciting part of the film. But those are the ones that stuck out to me. Like I said, next week, uh, if I missed any, uh, I will add them to the list. Uh, Next week, we'll probably have a long, long list of of different changes uh, because that there's so much stuff that was left out in part two, but I will save those and anything else that I missed from part one in that book versus book versus movie segment next week uh but to end this week's episode let's talk about the harry potter rankings so right now the list sits as this number one harry potter and the goblet of fire number two the half-blood prince three the deathly Hallows part two Four, The Order of the Phoenix. Five, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Six, The Deathly Hallows Part 1. The Chamber of Secrets at number seven. Number eight is Sorcerer's Stone. Nine, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Ten, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And at the bottom at number 11, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. So I'm making another change to the list right on the show right now. I'm moving Deathly Hallows Part 1 up. Because I absolutely love this film. Dobby's death, to me, this time around was so hard to watch. Uh, I just, it destroys me. And it really destroyed me this time in particular. Truly, truly heartbreaking. Uh, The action is also incredible. Uh, I love all the wand fights throughout the film. Especially the intense fight with the Snatchers. And then the big sky battle at the beginning of the film. When the order is trying to sneak Harry out of Pivot Drive to the Burrow. Uh Dobby is also a badass, like I keep saying. The way he comes in and just tell Bellatrix to basically F off is so good. Toby Jones does an incredible job voicing Dobby in the whole franchise, but in particularly this film. I'm putting Deathly Hollows at number four. Under Deathly Hollows part two and above Order of the Phoenix. The film does drag out a bit when the trio are on the run like I keep saying i think the writers could have cut it down a little bit and included scenes like the potter tribute at gallus hollow or added some wand fights or even the interaction between lupin and the group begging them to help to have him join on their quest for the horcruxes uh there isn't any quidditch in this film which is a bummer uh because i love quidditch but this film honestly didn't need it there there are so many good parts in the film that distracted me from wanting a quidditch match uh, which is saying something because like I've said in every episode of the season quidditch is my favorite thing in the world um but I completely understand there just wasn't any need for it in this film which which astounds me that they were able to pull that off you know I'm not mad this time around about them not having quidditch you know I was disappointed in like order of the phoenix and and prince for not having enough quidditch i mean order the phoenix doesn't even mention quidditch which is really disappointing because there's such a huge part in the book about the quidditch uh but Deathly the hell is part one i totally understand why they didn't have quidditch in there. there there is no need for it uh which really impressed me uh i'm super excited though for part two uh even though that means the harry potter season will be coming to an end unfortunately it's a very bittersweet but every beginning has an ending, and I can't wait for Deadly Hollows Part 2 next week. Uh, in the meantime, though, you can check out this list, of course, and many, many more on both IMDb and Letterboxd. Just search for Cinematic Reviews. There are like 70 or so lists on there right now with many more on the way. I'm adding new ones on there all the time. Uh, they range from Harry Potter to Marvel to Star Wars to even Christopher Nolan films. There's literally a list on there for any kind of movie fans. I love making lists. I love ranking franchises. Uh, my top five of 2022 is on there now. So check out those if you're looking for a new film to watch. Uh, but yeah, i it's all part of the fun ranking films, talking about where you put this film, which is, what is your favorite Nolan film? What is your favorite Scorsese film? What's your favorite Tom Hanks film? it, it It's all part of the fun. And it's one of the reasons why I made this show is to kind of, Show the world where I how I rank movies, uh, what kind of things I'm looking for, what things I don't like. Uh, just It's all part of the fun, and I love making lists. So check those out on both IMDb and The Letterboxd today. Well, that'll do it for this week's Harry Potter episode. Tune in next week for the finale of the Harry Potter season with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 After that, Cinemax Reviews will be traveling to Westeros for the Game of Thrones season. Also, check out the new release reactions every week for the latest in movies and TV. Later, everyone.